Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-host and Hall of Fame member, Ms. Leanne Whippen, coming to you from the Turn It, Don't Burn It mobile studios uh, in St. Louis and in Portland today. How about that? So uh, we'd like to thank the folks at uh, Painted Hills Natural Beef Beef, the way nature intended. There's still time if you need something for them for Christmas. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Well, our good friend and annual Christmas guest, <laughs> along with Thanksgiving and all the other holidays, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com is here. And we're going to be talking about some Christmas dinner suggestions and tips. And we'll also discuss a little bit about Christmas traditions on the table from other countries that one of the three of us might be familiar with. So welcome back there, my friend. Always good to be here, you know. I like this holiday gig, you know, I'm a party boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that when we were in Texas a couple of years ago. I saw you <laughs> got a little hat on, you know. Any excuse for party. I'll celebrate any religion, any race. Let's yeah. party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Tuesday at four. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so traditionally, for a long time, even growing up, we were turkey or ham. And I'm talking about my house, all right? And then we progressed into rib roasts. Probably, I think that happened about the time I took over managing the holiday festivities. Yeah, same um, thing with me. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you that the smiles at the table were much larger <laughs> with, a, with a rib roast than they were with a dry-ass turkey or a ham with a, two pieces of pineapple rings and a couple of cherries <laughs> on top. So... Did you did you have those too, Leanne? No, my dad could not stand turkey. So we, as far as I recall, it was always prime rib. So oh, I was okay. lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. Uh, I've I've been married into an Italian American family, a large Italian American family. I mean, big enough that there's a a funeral home in the family. Oh God! Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, and the, the rumor is they handle only family. Um, the uh, big Italian family in the Chicago area, and uh, they're wonderful. They came over in the 1800s. Uh, I don't know for sure what they did before I got here. I got here 50 years ago, and uh, for most of those years now, I've been I've been doing um, uh, a prime rib for Christmas Day. Now, yeah. Christmas Eve is the Feast of Seven Fishes. And that's a, every and 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 multiple people bring a fish dish, and that's a fascinating uh, ritual uh, celebration. Uh, it, it started in Italy, to my knowledge, I believe Southern Italy, because there was fasting before Christmas, and they were not allowed to eat meats. And so on the eve of Christmas, they would have seafood, and the feast of seven fishes were 
you would serve seven different kinds of fish. And of course, Southern Italy, this is easy. You know, you got sure. some fish with fins, you got octopus, you got shellfish. And um, uh, it's it, a wonderful tradition. If if anybody out there was watching the uh, series, The Bear, um, yes. their, their Feast of Seven Fishes segment was hysterical. <laughs> um, an Italian-American family, uproarious, that ended up with a car driving into the living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Italian too, and we do lasagna. Uh, my mom's famous lasagna on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you something. We lucked out here for this this Christmas Eve. About three weeks ago, I got a call from Mercy and Mercedes, my our daughter, and she said, "Dad, would you care if I cooked Christmas Eve dinner?" And I went, kitchen is yours, dear. She's a very good cook. She's a very good cook and a tremendous baker. Uh, that's something that both Meathead and I have not mastered. No, I have fear of flour. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. But she's got the she's got the whole spread. It's going to be part Italian, part cowboy, the whole thing. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. And then Christmas Day, we're going to do the prime rib like usual. But mm-hmm. that's it. So why we've we've still got quite a few minutes left in this segment, Meathead. Let's talk about uh, get that kind of out of the way before we have some more fun with trivia and stuff in the show. Let's talk about prime rib. Uh, prime is a marketing term, if you will, or mm-hmm. talks about the quality of the meat. But mostly, and we talk about this every year, but I'm always surprised at how many people reach out to me and say, is are you going to do a show focused on prime rib this year? It's like you can go back and listen to seven years worth of shows on prime <laughs> rib, but, but go ahead. Well, so let's talk some basics about that first. Okay. Um, and also it, at some point we need yes. to go back to piece of seven fishes because I know a oh. lot of people do it. And I want to talk about deep frying on a gas grill. No, um, we will. Is, we will. Which is, which really cool. Um, but I always, I do the prime rib on Christmas day and I have for years. And it used to be easy. Just one prime rib with seven bones was enough for everybody. Now I've got to do two of them. You know, there's all these kids and they're grown up, you know, which that yes. means they have a bigger ap- appetite. So uh, uh, it, it's expensive, I tell you. Uh, but a, a prime rib roast has seven rib bones in it. And that's a rib primal. And that is a master cut from the steer. And uh, uh, you can get them. USDA Prime or USDA Choice or other or Wagyu or whatever, just because it's called Prime Rib, it doesn't mean it's USDA Prime, which is a very good cut. An expensive cut has a little bit more marbling than USDA Choice, but USDA Choice is fine. Yeah, It's really tender. This is a very tender cut of meat. It's basically, it's the cut from which all ribeye steaks come. And uh, it, it, it's just a delicious cut. Um, and uh, I strongly recommend you consider reverse sear. Um, and, and we've talked about that before, but if you're not familiar with the concept, um, most recipes for prime rib tell you to start at a very high temperature and then drop the temperature. And when you do that, you brown the exterior, which you really want to do. You want that good roasty, toasty, crunchy, uh, dried out exterior with all the rub and everything. But immediately below that surface, it turns tan. And below that, it's pale, um, gray. And 
um, you get what, the, what I call the rainbow effect, where it, mm -hmm. you have your beautiful medium rare in the center, but it occupies maybe uh, two thirds to half of the meat. And you want as much of the meat as you can to be optimum tenderness, which is medium rare, which is 130 to 135 Fahrenheit. And the way to do that is, is you start the meat at a low temperature. This is just very simple physics. At a low temperature, you're not putting as much energy into the outside. And so you're not overcooking the layers below and it gently warms. So it's more even temperature edge to edge. And then if you're shooting for 130, 135, you wait till it hits about 120 and then you crank the heat. And of course I do it on the grill. So I'll then move it over the direct heat. I, I, I go to my, um, one of my nephew's house. So he's got a, an old Weber gas grill. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I start it here um, and I smoke it. And then I take it over there and I finish it on the gas grill over as hot as I can get it. Uh, maybe 15 minutes on a side, rotate a quarter turn, 15 minutes, rotate and get the exterior good, dark and crispy. And it's really even color, really even temperature throughout, perfectly medium rare throughout. And that's a really great technique. Now, there, there's there's another technique that I've been using lately that works real well, and that's sous vide. And it was sous vide. You put it in a plastic bag in a um, in a tub of water uh, at, at 130, and it will warm it gently so that it's perfectly medium rare at 130 throughout. And then you take it over the river and through the woods and sear it on all sides. So there's a bunch of different ways, but the key here is is you start at a low temperature, not a high temperature. So let's talk about that temperature. Are you talking about 210, 235, 175? What are you talking about? Well, sous vide 130, um, if it's on the grill, um, almost everything I recommend. I try to keep things simple for people who use my website and read my book, 225. Okay. Almost everything is 225. We cook chicken and turkey at 325 because you need a little more heat to render the fat uh, in the skin. But 225, nice temperature for roasting on a gas grill, charcoal grill, smoker, whatever, 225. That's gentle enough that it won't overcook the exterior layers. And then for searing, you got to give it all she's got, Scotty. <laughs> so you okay. can do it in an oven too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now one of the tricks to doing it in the oven is if you've got one of these roasting pans with a V-shape rack, is try to get it up above the pan because if it sits in the pan, the um, uh, the temperature in, in the pan is going to be lower than the temperature above the pan. So it's not going to cook evenly. So if you can, raise the meat up above the pan by putting a rack on top of the pan or in an oven, just put it on a, on the rack, um, uh, on, the, on the shelf, and put the pan on the shelf underneath. And uh, then you get the same temperature all around the meat. One more thing I like to do, and a lot of people get upset with this. I take the bones off. Um, they're really Ew. cool. Looking. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> the bones are really cool looking, and everybody loves gnawing on the bones, but they're like the heat shield on the space shuttle. Um, you know, the, the energy bounces off of them, and uh, you, you just can't heat the meat right beneath the bones as evenly as on the opposite side. So the end result is, is it's really kind of raw right beneath the bones. 
and it's medium rare on the other side. And I want it even all around. The other thing is, is I love the crust. I have a really good rub that I use and I love the crust with the rub and everybody loves the crust. You know, people want the end cut. Um, and if you take the bones off, you've got more crust. Yep. We got to take a break. We're going to be back with uh, our meathead from amazingribs.com Christmas special. And we've got some special things coming up, I promise, right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation on the USA Radio Networks and iHeart and all of them out there. Um, we've got Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, and we're going to continue our talk here for a little bit about rib roasts and smoking and roasting. Um, I know we're all barbecue-centric here, if you will, but uh, some people don't have barbecues. Leanne brought this up in the last segment, and they they only have uh, their gas or electric uh, stove or, uh, yeah, oven, excuse me, to cook in. Is there anything that you – and you talked about putting the roast on the top rack and putting the pan below it and, and that type of thing. Are there little pitfalls, pratfalls, if you will, Meathead, that people should think about oven versus outside? You know, an outside a smoker or a grill is yeah. really just an oven outdoors. It, it, it It's a crappy oven, in fact, because it doesn't have a thermostat. Your mm -hmm. indoor oven, you can set the oven for 225, 325, whatever you want. You don't have that capability outdoors, except some of these new pellet smokers have thermostats. Um, but uh, in general, it's hard to do. But they're all ovens of a sort. Well, there's always at Christmas, you're always cooking other things. So it's nice to have the space to free up the oven if you're making au gratin potatoes or whatever, or rolls or pie. whatever it is. So yeah, there he is, pie. Got to have pie. Pie, got to save room pie. for pie. Pie, yep. <clears throat> that yeah, is... and, and, the, and those au gratin potatoes or potatoesana or, you mm -hmm. know, all those marvelous layered potatoes you can make in the oven. Yeah. And then the green bean casserole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do twice baked. Is what that's kind of one of my specialties is twice baked because I, I use. I love. I, I I'm a potato head. I tell you, if I were a meathead, I'd be potato head. Okay. Um, I, I I could survive on potatoes, and I love doing latkes, which is the traditional Jewish potato pancake. Mm -hmm. And I have a really good recipe for them on my website, amazingribs.com. And I love doing those um, because that's my cultural background. Uh, I love doing those um, for Christmas dinner as a sort of a cross-cultural. Uh, everybody loves potato pancakes. They're so good. They're they're very, very good. Um, let's go back and talk about uh, seven fishes. Because mm. uh, you're, you're uh, Meathead Corleone there in uh, <laughs> Chicago as far as when it comes to food. So... Um, hey. Yeah, <laughs> pay him an offer, can't refuse. Uh, is it always cod? 
or can it be other fish? Oh, it's it's a, it's a it's a variety of fishes, but one of the standards is something they call bacala. Yes, which is translates roughly into yeah. <laughs> is that because it's so salty or what? It's it's it it goes back to the days pre refrigeration, where fish was salted heavily salted to preserve it and often laid out on the docks to dry and it, it, it bacala and it's in many many uh ocean facing cultures i was reading yesterday about bacalao i think they pronounce it in brazil where portuguese is the natural language language right. um it, 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 it's also up in the scandinavian countries salted fish and it's salted cod and you have to salt it. You have to soak it to remove the salt. Um, I think there may even be some lye or something. I hate this stuff. Um, <laughs> my my wife and her family, that's just tradition. They love it. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, we do uh, we do um, calamari, uh, fried, yeah. fried calamari. You can do clams. You can do octopus. Uh, the, the idea is you have seven different fishes. Um, I, I'm Lou's brother, uh, Anthony, does a big old salmon fillet on the grill. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I got I to gotta share an idea with you guys. And I know sure. we've talked about it long ago, but I got to bring it up again. Everybody loves fried chicken and fried fish and fried this and fried that. But we don't often do it because it can really make a mess of the kitchen stove with spattering. And if you get the oil hot enough, and 375 is your target for almost all deep frying, 370, 350 to 375 is your target. It can put out some smoke. It can set off the smoke alarms. Um, and it, it just is. Take it outside and do it on your gas grill. Now, people go, oh my God, no, that's. It's not dangerous. It's no more dangerous than doing it on your oven top. Hell, if it catches fire indoors, you lose your house. If it catches fire outdoors, the worst you're going to do is lose a $500 grill, but it's not going to catch fire. You use a Dutch oven, which has very high sides. It's right. very heavy. There's just no way you're going to knock it over, spill oil anywhere. It's just perfectly safe. You're only putting an inch or two of oil in the bottom. Um, and you get that oil up to 375, you leave the other side of the grill off. So you got one side on, you got your burner under the, uh, the pot on, and the other side is off, and you fry your fish until it's absolutely perfectly golden, and then you move it to the other side and close the lid, and it just stays there and stays warm while you're finishing all your frying. You can do it with your calamari, you can do it all that way. The smell, the fishy smell, the calamari, it's all outside. The smoke, it's all outside. Not going to spatter, but if it does, it's all outside. It drains sitting on the other side. I mean, this is a really great way to do fried foods. Mm -hmm. and so, it is perfectly safe. So you're not like Ron White's wife who uses the smoke alarm as a timer when she's cooking? <laughs> I'm just trying to remember. Hold on one second. I think I just saw my wife. Lou, what was that movie we just saw? About seven fishes. Oh, there we go. Um, there's a movie we just watched on Netflix the other night called Feast of the Seven Fishes. Okay. And it's a marvelous movie that takes place, I think, in a Pennsylvania 
um, uh, town, working class town, Italian American family. Um, there's a love story in there. Um, a, a great family uh, story. Wonderful movie, um, and uh, it, it'll give you a sense for the, uh, uh, the 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 way the holiday is treated. Got it. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back and talk about more Christmas traditions. And before we go, I'm going to ask them uh, which of two. And you got you can give the answer when we come back. Which of two Santa's reindeer share names with meteorological terms? Got that? Uh, we'll be right back on Barbecue Nation. Don't go away. Hi, I'm JT, and I'm thrilled to announce our further collaboration with Painted Hills Natural Beef to bring you your best barbecue experience. As a special treat, Barbecue Nation listeners get a 15% off discount by just typing in the code Barbecue Nation when you check out. So all you got to do is go to the Painted Hills Natural Beef website, click on the store, place your order, and when it has discount or code at the bottom, type in BBQ Nation. Don't miss out on this really juicy deal from Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Leanne Whippin and Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We want to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. It's beef the way nature intended, but it's really more than that. It's they want to provide you with the best beef possible and they do it. And so if you've never sampled it or had it, you can go to uh paintedhillsbeef.com. They've got an online store. You can buy directly from them and uh, use the code, if you will, BBQ nation, and that'll take 15% off your order. And the, oh, wow. the beef will come right to your door. And also, I would bet that the deadline for that is coming right up too. And I bet you want if you want a prime rib, you better get your order in now. You better get your order in now because they are almost completely sold out of prime ribs. Now they do have some strip loin steaks. Or, uh, well, those are almost as good. Almost well, as good. But there's yeah. no spinalis on the strip. No, there, no, there isn't. There's not. But uh, pig powder. That lady up in the right-hand corner yeah. of your screen there, pig powder. Uh, best rub on the planet is uh, what it was voted one time. It was created by Leanne's father, the world-famous trim tab. That's if you don't fly planes, you won't understand that correlation. But that, believe me, it's real. And mm -hmm. all you have to do is go to pigpowder.com, and Leanne will make sure you get that. And they're great stocking, stocking stuffers. They uh, are. They are very good there. So let's get and if back. You, if you, if, as long as we're doing commercials, if you're doing prime rib, I got to tell you. Okay, here he goes. I use this every year. In fact, I developed this for prime rib. This is Meathead's red meat rub. And uh, you can I buy have this. it. It's delicious. It oh, is. And it I is. have I have pig powder, too, and it's delicious. <laughs> um, this stuff's really good on beef. And uh, I do I use it on my because people love that crust, you know? Yeah, you they got to have the crust. crust. Gotta have the crust. Okay. So which of which two of Santa's reindeer share names with uh meteorological terms? Well, all right. We were just trying to remember their name. There's Dancer, Prancer, Comet, which is meteorological or astrological. That's and astrological. Vixen, and yeah. Vixen, um, whom I dated in college. Um, and uh <laughs> Donner 
and we're running out of options here. Who and help me Blitzen. 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 And the most famous reindeer of all. Leonard. <laughs> Rudolph. <laughs> Rudolph. Okay. Well, the answer is Donner and Blitzen. Uh Donner means thunder and uh Blitzen means lightning. Oh in German. Meteorological. I was thinking cosmetological. Uh, yeah. No, Don, you're right, though. German Donner and Blitzen. <clears throat> yep. And one more here real quick. Which country was the very first country to use the tradition of the Christmas tree um, in in their Christmas holiday? Very first country to use Christmas tree. I, I'd go with Germany again. Um, uh, what, what do they call it in Germany? Um, the uh, Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum, yeah. Leanne? Oh, gosh. Austria? <laughs> No, it's it's Germany. It's Germany. Uh, one more real quick. Which company was the first company to use Santa Claus in their advertisements? Coca-Cola. Yep. Oh, really? Yep. Yep. Coca-Cola. Famous, famous Coca-Cola ad. And it's the best looking Santa I've ever seen. He is yeah. so roly poly and red and cheeks. Red cheeks and little nose. Oh and- man. That that if you can get one of those posters, they show up on eBay every now and then. They're they're and people have reproduced it on metal now. Um, they're 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 really cool. Mm. You didn't know that? Yeah, I thought it was going to be something like Woolworths or something. Uh, like yeah, that. Macy's or Gimbals or something. Yeah. <clears throat> no. It, uh, All it right. So, what's your Coco. favorite Christmas movie, everybody? I think mine's Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Oh, I'm I, guessing you're going to say It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, that's I. Cool. Yes, we've yeah. talked about that in the past. And you? Have we? Yeah. I love it. Well, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gene Shepard, the short story writer. I, I, I've read a bunch of his short stories. He's wonderful. Um, and uh, the Christmas story is sort of an amalgam of several of his short stories. Um, and I, I just visited my sister in Florida, and she was saying, there's some guy down the block that has this leg lamp in his yard. Do you know what that's about? <laughs> the leg like, lamp. You never saw the movie? I got to wow. tell you, we had a leg lamp in one of the production studios at one of the radio stations. <laughs> and half the people in there didn't know what it was from. And I was and so I, I normally used that studio. And I was very proud to have that in any pictures that people took when I was in there, that leg lamp. But it was amazing that a lot of the I would say people under 30 didn't know what that was, yeah. what that was from or what no, it related it, it, to. It, it came from Italy in the crate Nate labeled fragile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't don't get him a BB gun. You put somebody's eye out with that. Remember? Shoot your eye out, kid. Shoot your eye out, kid. Okay. Um, let's go back to some other kind of foreign foods. Uh or cultures, I should say. You you brought up the last time you were talking about fried chicken. And of course, if anybody's listened to the show or read anything online. In in Japan, Kentucky Fried Chicken is huge. I had no idea. Yeah, it is huge, and that's their big Christmas Americanized Christmas deal is to go to KFC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand why they love fried chicken. Yeah, I, I have I've been to Japan, and there is no culture on earth that worships food like the Japanese. I mean, they 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 really do worship food. They treat it ceremoniously. Um, if you're a guest in their house, they will cook really special things just for you. 
And I guess fried chicken has become, must have happened after World War II. But I guess KFC is really popular over there. And I was reading that it's a popular traditional Christmas dinner to order yep. KFC. Who yep. knew? Mine would have to be the extra crunchy. I'm an extra crunchy <laughs> guy at KFC. <laughs> Just, um, th- well, I think we've all been in the Southern Hemisphere or close to all of us. I'm not sure. No, uh, I Oh, well, I've been in New Zealand and Australia and stuff. And of course, being in the Southern Hemisphere, it's spring yeah. and summer down there. Yeah, it's warm down there. Winter. And uh, no, <clears throat> no self-serving Australian ever said, let's put a shrimp on the barbie. That was a marketing ploy too by Outback Steakhouses. They do cook really? a lot of they cook a lot of stuff on their barbecues. I mm-hmm. grant you that, but that no, I I was reprimanded for that, and it's oh. the only time I got reprimanded in uh, Australia, which is unusual for me, only to get yelled at once. But it, uh, yeah, but they do that. Another one of their favorite dishes down there, and we'll get back to whatever in the hell we're talking about here, but is oysters on the half shell on the grill. And I kind of worked with them one day and they were showing me how they did it. They have their own version of kind of Worcestershire. They pull the oyster off the shell, clean the shell out, pour some Worcestershire in it, put the oyster back in the Worcestershire. They put some um, diced uh, green onion on it and a little garlic uh, and some bacon bits Mm. and uh, not pre-cooked bacon bits, but raw bacon. And they put it on the grill. And when the bacon starts to turn brown and bubble and look good like we like it, they pull it off. And I'll tell you, that is a delightful way to mm. eat an oyster. Sounds mm. good. It, it's very good. I uh, I I make a mignonette, which is sort of like a vinaigrette with, and I'll, you know, use um, orange zest and uh, mm-hmm. whatever you want. You can, I, I, I've, I've never done that trick of pulling it out of the shell first and then putting liquid in. And then I've always just spooned the juices on top of the, uh, the clam, the, the oyster. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, but the, the juices from the, uh, the clam and the oyster are so good. And so f- you gotta have a loaf of good crunchy bread. To oh sock. yeah. Oh, know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can't waste a drop of that. You gotta do that. Um, but said- I think South Africa also is popular. They like to grill for Christmas. I th- I've read that New Zealand and South Africa are big on grilling for Christmas because it's warm. Yeah, it's warm and it's nice out there. And uh, I think I think both cultures grilling is usually done on an open top grill, a brazier they call it. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's they they don't have a lot of well Weber kettles are everywhere now, but covering the grill is something that they just have not always done. Well, and if you go to like the Philippines, they're still cooking stuff in the ground mm. uh for their holiday um mm. they're they're doing hogs they're doing uh i don't know what else they do over there but i know they do hogs and they and they put it down and they line it with stones and they build a fire and they cover it up with the big uh leaves and uh it just cooks for a number of hours and they pull it out and uh the pictures I've saw, I've not been to the Philippines, so I don't know exactly what I'm talking about here, but they pull it out and it just looks marvelous. Mm. So mm. that's one of their Christmas uh, delights. But hey, hey, Bob Cratchit, you haven't talked about how you like to cook your Christmas goose. Uh, that's coming up in the next segment. I'll tell you, because I got to get my crutch. 
you know, uh, <laughs> do my tiny, my tiny Tim impersonation here. But I want to talk a little bit more about fish. Um, you said in your note to me, ask me about carp. Oh, <laughs> so I'm asking you about carp. Uh, uh, okay. All right. I, I, listeners who've heard this story can hang up now, but uh, you got to tell the old story. I, I, I love to fish. I was raised fishing. And the way you cook them is, is you, you, you get a cedar plank and you nail them onto the cedar plank. Well, you got to scale them first and then you, right. and gut them and you nail them to the cedar plank. And then you put this cedar plank over a charcoal fire not too close. You got to keep it up above so that smoke wraps around it and it cooks from both above and below. And uh, when it's done, you take the carp off and throw it away and eat the plank. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take another break and we're going to come back and talk about goosing you at Christmas or your Christmas goose, whichever you prefer. And a little. Uh, Blog. That's all I'm going to say. We'll be right back. You're listening to Barbecue Nation. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. This is uh, one of our holiday special shows with our Christmas visit annually from Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Next week, don't forget, we've got Graham Kirk coming up to the Galloping Gourmet. And that was a very touching show because uh, Leanne fell off her stool and touched the floor. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it, no, it was it's, it's, it's good. It's a very good show like that. But we're talking today with our Best buddy, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. And you wanted to talk about Christmas Goose. Uh, you know, to a lot of people, that tradition may sound great. There's not a lot of meat on a goose, first of all, compared to a turkey or something like that. They're, uh, you know, they're dark meat. I, I like them, but I'm about the only one in the house that would do it. When my mother-in-law was still with us, I cooked a couple of Christmas gooses or geese for her over the years because she liked them but then i'd go to all that work and she'd take about two bites and say that's really good now pass the turkey <laughs> so uh what do you recommend for goosing well um there's a bunch of recipes out there and the one that i that caught my eye the most was jacques pepin's but uh it, it's kind of elaborate um i, I mean i i'll just roast it um a little smoke doesn't hurt it but as you said, it's a it's all dark meat. I mean, this mm -hmm. is an animal that flies and swims, so those muscles get a lot of work. Unlike turkeys, those muscles don't work, and therefore it's all white meat. Um, it's very much like duck, only I think the flavor of duck is much better. I absolutely love duck breast. Um, and uh, and uh, duck breast, you, you cook medium rare, just like you would a steak or red meat. Um, you can do it similarly with goose. But it's a scrawny animal. Um, I have never done, I've never, I'm not a hunter, so I've never shot a goose and tried to cook it. Um, but I've bought goose from a butcher and uh, just, uh, I split it in half 
um, and I roast it because there's a lot of fat under the skin, like right. duck. A lot of fat under the skin. You got to stab the skin to create uh, escape paths for the fat. And I, I start out at a low temperature so the fat will render out. Um, and uh, then you flip it over and crisp that skin. And you want to use something like a, a fruit sauce, a cranberry sauce, a cherry sauce is nice. Um, you're a hunter, aren't you, uh, Jeff? Yeah, I don't do it very much anymore because I don't have time, but I used to do it all the time. How do yeah. you cook goose? Uh, <clears throat> well, first of all, if you if you harvest one from outdoors, uh, quick story here. I had a nephew that wanted to shoot a goose, wanted to shoot a goose, wanted to shoot a goose. Finally, season came around. His dad said, because we used to have them on their migratory paths, landed in some of our pastures because there was standing water. <clears throat> if we just had a big rain, so the geese would come in. So Jason got to shoot two geese. He had a tag for it and all that. And his dad made him sit out and try to pluck them, which is not something you do. You actually skin them. You don't pluck them. But oh, really? The, my poor nephew was sitting out there in a lawn chair, just covered with <laughs> down and everything else. And his dad was standing in the garage laughing his ass off at him. Until my mother showed up in her car and said, what are you making this kid do? Anyway, uh, you just roast them. Uh, you know, I would roast them in a uh, in a pan with a rack so that a lot of the drippings went down like that. I would leave the lid on for about two thirds of the roasting time and then pull it off at the end. And like you said, it would get that nice crunchy kind of uh, skin. I would, I would poke the holes. I would season it with just some very basic salt, pepper, and garlic like that. You didn't need much else. I mean, you can do it with, like you said, you can do it with a, with a plum sauce or an orange sauce or whatever you like. That's your own taste preferences, but they're fairly easy to cook. Um, they don't take a long, long time to cook because they're not very big. So, and then when you carve them, you actually carve off small pieces because again, like a goose breast and stuff is about the size of a, I don't know, a squished orange or something. It's not very big. So you just slice off in, in little pieces and kind of stack them up on the serving platter. That's how I did it. So Le Leanne, you've got formal training here. Uh, mm -hmm. have, have you played with goose much? Only once. And I was so dissatisfied with the taste. And I'm like you, I love duck. So if I'm going to go through that effort, I'm going to do a duck before a goose. Duck, I duck, goose. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I just, I, it's, it's not worth my time. <laughs> no, that's true. It's a lot of work for not much of a, a payoff, you might say at the end. And it's, it's, it's a different taste than a duck. Um, I happen to like duck too. I like goose, but I, I like duck and more. And so if somebody said, you know, let's go duck hunting and I'll come home and you can cook them. I would do that now still. I don't know if I would waste my time with a goose either, but it was fun to do it while we were there. All right. So we got to talk about glog. Glug. Uh, glug. 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 Okay. It's Swedish so glug. I mean, it, there's just a whole, I mean, it's winter time right. and it's skiing season and hot mold wine is all over the world. I mean, but it's really big in the Scandinavian countries. Um, and uh, glug is the traditional Swedish 
mold wine recipe, G-L-O with an umlaut, those little dots, G-G, G-L-O-G-G, glug. I think it's pronounced that way. It is and, after uh, four of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just, in fact, we're really out of time here, but what we're going to do in after hours, and Meathead is going to stick around, we've got some great after hour special questions today, and uh, I think you'll enjoy that. But if you have any thoughts or ideas or questions about what Meathead talked about, go to amazingribs.com. You can find your answers there. Uh, if you have problems with that, send uh, either Leanne or me a note off the website and we will get to, uh, yeah, I'll get to your book. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll get, to, we'll, we will forward them. I lost track of what I was saying. We will forward them or answer them, whatever. Yes. Then there's Meathead's book. It's a wonderful Christmas present out it there. Is. And, um, I can tell you that uh, I've probably given that book out and Meathead has been very supportive with my charitable work. Mm. Uh, and we do a lot of that for veterans and for kids for scholarships. Great stuff there. So you can get all of that on amazing. You know, what's very interesting about that book is we do a lot of interviews and we ask the question, what's their favorite barbecue go-to book? 99% of the time it's your yep. book. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. Wow. yep. It's true. That's fantastic. And there are a lot of barbecue books out there to choose from, but yours is so incredibly informative. I mean, it's, and people shouldn't think it, it's just about science because it's not, it's, it's just everything. It's, it's I'm like, I'm flattered a, you think so. Yeah. I was, I wasn't going to tell him that, Leanne. I was <laughs> yeah. You, you actually you told me about Michael Simon loving the book. Yes. Get more. Let me know. I need a recording. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to get out of here. Everybody have a great Christmas. Graham Kerr is coming up next week. For Leanne, myself, and Meathead, take care. Remember our motto here, turn it, don't burn it. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.